thank you for joining our conversation on Wow Whispering. I am your host, Diane A. Curran, and it is delightful to be with you. Wow is spontaneous, open, expressive. Whispering is intimate, still, receptive. In our modern age, moments rush in or away like quicksilver. Do we even make the time to savor a wow or reflect on a whisper, to notice and value such gifts? We're ready to do just that with you right now. Well, I am so excited to be with you again today, and we have a guest who is going to give us the scoop on something that is going to be starting really fast. And what I mean by really fast is on February 4th, you're going to know why it was so important for you to hear my wonderful guest. Her name is PK Odell, and I want to tell you a little bit about her, and then we'll share the secret of what we're going to tell you in secrets today. And PK Odell is a master feng shui consultant. She's also the executive director of the renowned American Feng Shui Institute, where she has taught since 1998. Her consultations and her revolutionary personal directions toolbox teaches clients how to manage their unique 15-degree magnetic directions according to their date of birth, their gender, including things that you all want to know, your prosperous versus your consuming direction, creative, intellectual, romance versus, ooh, lonely pillow directions. PK also creates personal directions diagrams and teaches people how to maximize their own directions for anywhere on earth for your entire lifetime. Oh my gosh, what a fabulous tool. So her consulting firm is the Feng Shui Advantage, and it offers local, on-site, or worldwide remote evaluations of existing structures and project development. Oh my gosh. So PK really has her fingers on the pulse of the entire earth here. How lucky we are to have her with us. So we're going to talk about a special date that's coming up. I'm going to let PK share what is so special about February 4th. Well, February 4th is actually the Chinese Solar New Year. It's the halfway point between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. And that's when the annual feng shui energy influences shift in every home. It's why one year can be better or worse and you haven't changed one thing of your decor. It's just there's a different energy combining with the energy, say, at your door or in your bedroom or it, where you work from home. All of those are the, those are the three most important parts of your home. So feng shui, this is a term that many people have heard. Some people have a hard time pronouncing it because they look at the letters and say, wait a minute, isn't there an E in there? Yes, but it's pronounced feng and shui. Ooh, that's an interesting word. So just give us a little bit of context for those who may be new to what feng shui is about. Kind of, if you would, how did that get started in the world? And what purpose does it serve for us in our modern age? Because it's been around a long time, hasn't it? Well, feng shui energies have been around since they put up four walls and a roof on the very first building because uh -huh. the energies are created according to the orientation of the four walls 
and when it was built. And then there's an energy captured in the house. Feng Shui as a science developed some 5,000 years ago along with acupuncture and Taoism, which all came from the I Ching. But Feng Shui, like acupuncture, have nothing to do with the Taoist religion. It is not a belief system. It is working on the energies that are inside of your buildings and influences that are uh, environmental outside of your buildings. So it is more of a sister science to acupuncture than any Chinese interior design system. It is not about everybody needs to put one of the five elements in every section of their home. It's about what energies are present and what element needs to be placed there to optimize them. Just like an acupuncturist is going to check your pulses and look at your skin and your tongue and all kinds of things to determine what combination of needles you need, a trained feng shui consultant is going to look at many aspects of your home, including that energy combination, to determine what remedies it needs to optimize the energies to support your health, your relationships, and your bottom line. Oh my gosh, this sounds like we could talk about this for a long time. But you know what you're reminding me of, PK, is we've often heard, many of us, that old nature versus nurture argument. What I mean by that is sometimes people think, well, gosh, is this an inherited trait that I have? Or is it something that my early experiences, you know, as a human being growing up in a bunch of people that I knew that were part of my family, did that make my nurturing experience the predominant influence? And I'm thinking you just described something that puts me in mind of, if you will, nature versus nurture in the world of buildings and houses is, the nature is what, what was there in the land before then? Are you on a river? Are you in a windy space? Are you in a hospitable environment, or one that's really hard to deal with? That's what's in nature. But what the nurture here is, we as human beings, we love to build stuff, don't we? We like to, we like to make beautiful homes or um, maybe an office building that's someplace that people want to come, our customers want to come. So the nurture part is what we as human beings bring to the land or the space that we're in and whether that's a positive influence or a negative influence doesn't sound like it's entirely within our control because nature's out there doing its thing too right mm, yes there's there's the inherent energies of the building that are created when it's built it's kind of like the dna a man and a woman get together and the dna mixes up differently for each child Mm -hmm. Well, each building has its DNA mixed up differently according to when it was built and its orientation. But when city planners started building streets in nice parallel, straight arrow type uh, situations, the buildings next door to each other all develop the same energy combinations, which is why some neighborhoods are actually more uh, susceptible to drug addiction or alcoholism or brain tumors because there's certain energy combinations that cause all of those things and then there's annual influences that trigger them there are some energies that are better for making babies and some that are actually create miscarriages so those are the combinations that i'm looking for when i'm helping my clients optimize the energies in their environment and then there's the inherited which is yes the land what happened on the land beforehand if it was an old burial site then there the land is considered tainted in feng shui but the way to clear land from whether it was a burial site a battlefield um people were murdered or committed suicide there, 
the way to clear that in feng shui is to burn the land for three days. In modern, oh. <laughs> in my, modern civilization, <laughs> we're not allowed to do that. So I learned a second technique, which is called radiance, the authentic Reiki, where I can clear any building, whether I'm there or I'm doing it remotely, um, of those tainted energies. And then we can optimize the feng shui with the proper elements. So some people call it a clearing, but we're not clearing out the energy like I um Einstein said there is energy, it can be manipulated, but it cannot be eliminated. I'm paraphrasing. But so we're, we're clearing the land of its taintedness from these terrible events. And then we can optimize the feng shui's energies that are present there. And by the way, feng shui means wind and water. That's what the two Chinese words mean. It is not about your hair. It is not about your... Um, any other things. Some, some people use feng shui for marketing their websites. That is not true. It is about a building. Feng shui have wind and water have currents. That moves the energy around us. Also, we build our buildings to protect us from wind and water. And wind and water are the two things that we cannot live without. So that's three reasons why the science of the energies of your buildings is called feng shui. Well, this is so logical. It makes a lot of sense. Thanks for explaining that. Now, it sounds like there are, mm, I'm going to say there's a configuration of the building that was developed, was built, was, is going to be there pretty much permanently unless you tear down some walls and restructure it. But every year, it sounds like in the world of energy and the world of cycles, if you think about, you know, just weather, if you think about climate, there are some years where there's a kind of a softer expression of weather and climate in other years where there's a harsher expression. It sounds like in the world of feng shui, uh, you've shared with me that there are cycles that take place that also impact you. So every year you've got to take a look at what's going on for the coming year, right? Isn't that what we're coming into with February 4th as the solar new year? Yes, I have just updated my article about where you should not do any um, digging this year because it will cause health problems and also where fire colors are going to be harmful because the annual energies when they move around, maybe fire colors were good for you in an area one year, but the next year they're bad for you. So I tell my clients, move those fire colors somewhere else or just put them in a closet if you don't need them somewhere else and bring in the proper element to optimize those energies and sometimes we're just neutralizing something harmful and sometimes we when we neutralize that harmful will also enhancing something positive for you um there are also um, years when a building goes into what's called a lock l-o-c-k but the chinese word for that event is also another term for it is called imprisonment so it's kind of like everything about that part of your life is constrained and it can be a people lock which means you have health and relationship problems so if your building is experienced a one-year or sometimes a 20-year people lock it's difficult to have children or or get more clients if it's a business if it's experiencing a money lock that means everything about finances and career are hampered and prevented but there is a way to release these locks I had a client who I'd been doing his home for several years and he finally bought the business 
he had been uh, managing for the absentee owner and he said all I did was move into the owner's office and then people stopped high stopped writing contracts with us stopped paying us PK come help us with this building and that was in 2004 the last time we had a 20-year uh, shift and had he not called me in, they would have gone bankrupt because they had gone into a 20-year money lock. Oh when I gosh. gave him all the remedies, including the one to release the money lock, he called me up within a week. He said, we just received a check for $45,000 and we're beginning to write contracts again. Five years later, I was doing his annual update with him. And he said, you know, PK, in 04, when I bought the business, we were doing about 700000 in revenue. And this year... This spring, we've already written $5 million in business for the year. And now he has opened a second location and asked me to approve the location for the feng shui of it before he even signed the lease on it. So he wants to make his life flow easier mm -hmm. and have money flow toward him rather than away from him. What a smart business owner. So it occurs to me that you've just shared something important, which is there may be some as you say, locks on money or locks on health or locks on people. In the world of these locks, which is a scary sounding word, there's this idea that, well, if it's locked against me, there's nothing I can do. But you have a way where somebody doesn't need to move out of the house or close their business. They can do some, we'll call it freeing up of the energy. Would that be the way to say it? Well, when I'm teaching my students, I teach them, say, releasing the lock. Because ah. when you go out and you open your car door with your automatic car door opener, you've released that lock so you can get in. And there's either locked or unlocked. There is no little bit locked. So some <laughs> people think, oh, I've, I've put this remedy in, but maybe it's still a little bit locked. It's not. It's either unlocked or locked. And People can feel it. Businesses can feel it. I have I work with a lot of energy workers who who do their businesses from home. They can feel energy, so they can feel when things shift. But the majority of my clients, they wait till they see the circumstances change, and they will change immediately. I had I had clients one time that I'd been doing their updates for a few years, and then they called me in April. They said, "PK, is it too late for us to change our our or do our update?" I said, "No, of course not. You can always shift your." remedies it doesn't have to be done exactly on february 4th um so they had i looked at their uh energy calculations for their building and i went oh no wonder you're ha been having money problems since february 4th because your home went into a money lock and we need to do a remedy to release that money lock so i told them over the phone immediately what to do with that and then prepared their update and sent it to them how great is that so that is so in other words there's an opportunity to really work with the energy and then it shows up in, a, in oftentimes a physical, measurable, visible way or even something you can feel in terms of your health or your relationships with other people. How exciting. So February 4th, let me ask you this. As people are thinking about that, I'm intrigued with this idea that this is the solar new year. I think many people think of Chinese New Year as being the lunar new year. Can you tell me a little bit about the difference between those two? Yes, it's, it, it does boggle the mind for some people. The Chinese have two calendars. One's called the solar calendar and one's called the lunar calendar. And I have impressed many of my Chinese clients because I can translate their uh, parents or their grandparents' date of birth from the lunar calendar date to our Western calendar. Because when they say, um, for instance, 
today that we're recording this is Master Sang's real official birthday. But when he tells somebody his date of birth in Chinese, he'll say it's the 15th day of the 12th month. So everybody thinks it's December 15th. It is not. The 12th month in the Chinese calendar is our January. And the 15th day is a certain number of days past the full moon. So that's why his birthday on the Western calendar is actually January 29th, which that reminds me, I need to go wish him happy birthday. So for those of us who don't know Master Sang personally, tell us a little bit about this important person. He is the founder of the American Feng Shui Institute. He founded it after being asked to teach Feng Shui at Northrop and USC. He realized that the Westerners needed to find out there was more to Feng Shui than those one-size-fits-all books that had become popular. And then in, when the Chinese government found out they were going to have the Beijing Olympics, they brought him in as an architectural advisor to develop the Olympic sites. They called him an architectural advisor because still in China, there are some people in government, the older generation, that believe what Mao said, that feng shui was a superstition and he outlawed it. But the reason why Mao outlawed feng shui was the same reason he outlawed bow making and burned many books when he took over, because he wanted to take the power away from the people. His family were feng shui masters and knew that if there were other feng shui masters left in China, they could help someone overthrow him. So all the feng shui masters fled China. He started calling feng shui a superstition and outlawed it. So the younger generation wanted to bring back the science of feng shui. And in order not to offend this, the old Maoists still left in China, they called Master Sang an architectural advisor. Wow. Well, you know, it's just a reminder that human beings everywhere in every culture have some complicated arrangements about knowledge and information. Clearly, though, with the success of the Beijing Olympics, uh, his energy and what he allowed to flow was really uh, a contributing, I'm going to say, energy to uh, what was a most impressive moment. The whole world had their eyes on Beijing. Mm-hmm. And many people consider that to be one of the, I'm going to say, most visually rich and exciting displays of mm-hmm. Olympic energy anywhere. Wowie zowie. And they were planning ahead because they were thinking of what the future use of all those buildings, including the village where the athletes stayed, how they were going to be used in the future. They wanted to assure that they would be beneficial. Mm, Very interesting. So so feng shui planning, I have many projects going right now for clients planning their homes from replacing a home that was burnt out in the recent Paradise Fires to a client in North Carolina who loves their property so much, but they really dislike the home that they're going to plan a new one and tear it down and build a, 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 a new structure there that they love as much as they love the land to a to a doctor who I'm designing his surgical center here in Southern California with the architect who specializes in designing surgical centers and doing all the government regulations for that. I'm putting my feng shui input on that building. So it sounds like even before something is built, you can look at the energy that is present and choose directions that give you the best use of the, I'm going to say choose the directions to orient say, the front door, the the main rooms, the ancillary rooms, if it's like in a surgical center or in a home, your kitchen and your dining room, so that you can 
kind of match the energies to where well, they want to be? Does that make sense? Well, actually, I'm, I'm forecasting what kind of energies are going to be created and where's the better one to put the doors yeah. in and where's the better place to have the money taken like the cashier in a restaurant or a receptionist of an office or the the accounts receivable in a big business where's the better place to put the sales department and where's the energy that's going to support those kind of activities plus from the person's uh that's hiring me's date of birth where we want to avoid, when I worked on a factory in Sri Lanka, they were going to put the main loading dock in the consuming direction for the uh, site manager. And that would have been terrible for the business because all his activities would have cost the company money. So we oh moved my. over where there was a better energy combination and not in his consuming direction. Same things going with that surgical center. There's a call the backstabber direction where you don't want a door there or you're going to deal with those types of people all the time. So I'm preempting uh, creating a building that's going to have a problem. Everybody in their neighborhood sees a restaurant or a retail store that every six months to a year, it's something new. That's got a major feng shui problem. Maybe it's in a 20-year money lock. Maybe it's a building that's never going to be good for making money unless they do uh, basic feng shui energy fixes for, for that kind of ha uh, building that it's in. And in feng shui, we call any building a house, whether it's a big <laughs> factory or a surgical center or a, or a home. But the majority of my clients are already living in their spaces. Whether they own or rent, the energy are already uh, affecting them. So the majority of my clients are also home-based business people because then the feng shui, the energies of their home are twice as important because they're not going out being affected by another building part of the day. But I, I love the planning projects too, but that's not the majority of my clients. And I do work remotely. As I mentioned, the North Carolina client, I've never visited her property. So she sends me the exact floor plan and the information about the building and everybody's date of birth, I create the report and we have an online meeting. Thanks God for the internet. Isn't it remarkable that talk about energy because in a way all of this is, is little bits and, and bites that we can't see. They're too small for us as human beings to perceive. And yet we've come to rely on this energy. So I, I, I get a sense as I talk with people in so many different arenas that energy and our experience of it as human beings is really beginning to shift. It used to be that people thought, well, talking about energy is a little woo-woo, it's invisible, it may not even exist. Nowadays, in so many different professions and so many different industries, people are open to the idea of working with the flow of energy. And it's even in the world of physics or um, we're going to say satellite travel through outer space, you begin to recognize that there's what we can see physically but so much of what exists we can't see, but it impacts us. You know, I was thinking about some of the recent transmissions by satellite of the recent landing on Mars. And I was watching it on my computer in real time, but the person who was narrating it from JPL, the Jet Propulsion Libraries over here in, in Southern California said, remember, these images were sent to us quite some time before we're actually seeing them. We are experiencing them as if they're live, but it actually takes time to travel through all that invisibleness that we call energy or space. And somehow it arrives here in a coherent enough trail of energy that we can still manifest it through our equipment. It's kind of miraculous. <laughs> yes. 
It is. And, and also it, that the feng shui masters who developed it some 5,000 years ago, actually, we can trace Master Sang's family lineage in feng shui to 907 AD. Oh, my. In the, during the Yellow Bandits Rebellion, a feng shui master escaped the emperor's control, went and lived in hiding, taught his sons and daughters, and one apprentice. And that apprentice was Master Sang's ancestor. So, um, through their knowledge, we can figure out, they figured out these 15 degree directions. So what is your right brain direction for when you're writing your next book, Diane, you're going (laughs) to use your creative direction. And when you're editing it, you're going to use your analytical direction. If someone's doing marketing, they can use their right brain creative direction and their left brain analytical for, uh, working on the bookkeeping after the marketing works for them. So that's two things that we can do it it could be doors or windows that would trigger those but those are ones where we could sit with our back to it so we have the support of that direction behind us so we can get move forward in that direction um but there's also your consuming which i mentioned earlier your consuming timing versus your prosperous timing that is actually time units there's a year that every 12 years, we're all going to go through a consuming year. February 4th, I begin my consuming year. So I knew that in advance. So Mm -hmm. I know I'm going to plan wisely and spend wisely on things that I need to do or that are going to give me a good return on that spending, not just buying more beautiful clothes or or more books to read unless they're educational. Um, The other thing is that we have a consuming month. Every the Chinese months, not our Western months. So, like the first Chinese month is February 4th to March 5th or 6th. And every year that's going to be somebody's consuming month. And then, and so on and so forth. So, I have my consuming month between November 7th to December 6th. So, I better do my Christmas shopping before or after that, or I'm going to be very generous. Yeah. And then, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to do a, a new. Co- car negotiations during that month because I'll get the short end of the deal. Um, Then we have a consuming day, which is every 12th day. Wouldn't you love to mark your calendar every 12th day? This is my consuming day. I better stay off internet shopping or out of Costco. So, (laughs) and we have a consuming hour. It's a two hour period every day. So to know when that time is, is to know when to not stop at the market because you'll come home with three bags of things instead of the one you needed. So this is, this is information that I actually have decided since it is the beginning of my consuming, your listeners can put Diane or wow, that's better, put wow consuming in the subject line of the email that we're going to talk about later, and I will actually include their consuming timing information for them. I'm going to write this down because I want to make sure I put this in the show notes. So yes. let me so let me say again. So what is the phrase they need to put it? Wow. But just put wow because that's you, and then consuming, consuming in the subject line, and then they will include their. All I need is their first name. If they want to put their full name, that's fine. It's not related to their name. But I need their gender because sometimes names don't make that clear to me. And gender is important. And I need their full date of birth, month, day, and year. No one's going to find it out from me. So uh, month, day, and year. So I can send them their consuming information, but also their trigram information, which we will talk about in a little while, um, uh, the trigram. Or do you want me to talk about the trigram now? 
hold on for a second. I'm going to take a little bit of a pause and we're going to come back. So everybody, let's keep you on the edge of your chair. We're going to find out what PK is going to share next. I'm sure you're all trying to figure out which direction to start. even be sitting in to listen to this. So hang on. We'll be right back. Thank you for being with us on Wow Whispering. In each episode, we present a public service announcement that highlights resources committed to uplifting our quality of life. Look for the episode show notes, which have links to learn more. And today we are pleased to feature not one, but four world-class gardens where plants are grown for display to the public and often for scientific study and contribute to the protection of the biodiversity of our plant life. We're talking about botanical gardens. So I have four I want to mention to you, and they have some complicated website names, so I'm not going to say them here. I'm going to invite you to take a look at our show notes. They're right underneath the listing on iTunes, and I know on some of the other uh, pages for other sources where you may be listening to this, they'll be listed as well. And you can always go to my website and hear it uh, and see them on wowwhispering.com. So we're going to familiarize you with just a little tease to uh, have you become interested in four botanical gardens. One is called the Adelaide Botanic Garden in the heart of the city, but many worlds away in Australia. You want to take time out to explore the beauty and diversity of their plants that come from across Australia and around the world. The next one I want to mention is the Singapore Botanic Gardens, which opened in 1859, UNESCO World Heritage Site. It contains tropical rainforests, lovely lakes, and a magnificent orchid garden with distinct color zones in four varieties of color. Now the Kew Botanical Gardens, actually it's the Kew Royal Botanic Gardens, is set along the Thames River in London. And this, this very formidable Royal Botanic Gardens, it's the largest collection of living plants in the world not to mention one of the most historic having been founded in the mid 1700s. They are also on Instagram and you can travel there vicariously. Ooh, that's exciting. So two ways to find them. Go to their website, but check them out on Instagram under, guess what, Kew Gardens. Now the La Tourette Alpine Botanical Garden is in France and you gaze up at snow-capped peaks from an altitude of nearly 7,000 feet when you explore this botanical garden. It's set up in 1899 and contains more than 2,100 different species of alpine plants from around the world with a beautiful design that contains rock gardens that are set into the landscape. Isn't that perfect for being at a high altitude where you might find rocky mountains happening up there? So what I want to invite you to do is to recognize the importance of enjoying our plant life and discovering things that you might grow on your own, but certainly appreciate the importance that plants play in our everyday life. So do enjoy looking at them and taking in their magnificent beauty. Thank you. Well, we are back from our short break, and we are here with P.K. Odell. She is a master feng shui consultant. She has a wealth of knowledge, and she wants to make sure she gives you as much as possible. And she's just shared something that I want to make sure we let people know that they have the opportunity to receive from P.K., because she's going to use her 
her consuming year to become very generous with us. So let me ask uh, PK, would you share again, and then we're going to talk about trigrams because we promised to talk about that. I want to ask you to share what it is you're offering to our listeners today if they email you. And that'll be in the show notes so people can see that. So could you just say that briefly again, what it is that people have the opportunity to receive? If they send me the email, that is, the instructions are in the show note, I will let them know what year they need to plan for their spending because it will be their consuming year. It doesn't mean they won't make money that year. It just means that at the end of the year, they're going to go, wow, I spent more than I usually do, <laughs> and sometimes a lot more. Um, and then what month? of the year they need to watch out for each year and what day every 12th day and what uh hour i am giving everyone their consuming information i'm going to send them a, a pdf that they can use to figure out their consuming timing it will it will be written in there and then they they'll know what their consuming timing is and Great. um also the trigram yes let's talk about the trigram now what does that mean so from your date of birth and your gender, you're born into one of the eight trigrams of the I Ching. Remember I said earlier that feng shui and acupuncture are based on the I Ching. The I Ching is, uh, it translates to the book of change. Um, it has eight trigrams which go with the eight directions and elements and family members from the old Chinese family and body parts, which is why acupuncture uses it. The yin and the yang come from the I Ching. Um, and the I Ching is actually the oldest, longest read Chinese book that is in existence. So your trigram will tell you what direction from the center of your house, magnetic direction, you want to keep clean and neat to avoid financial setbacks, health and relationship problems personally for your entire life, whether it be inside or outside in that direction. And then, um, also what colors for you to wear feed your element because when you're born into an element you resonate with that element i'm one of the wood elements there's two woods and i'm one of them and so when i wear green colors i get a lot of compliments because i'm wearing my own element of course greens that look good with my skin tone and then when i wear blue and black so as a little girl i was attracted to blue and black but you know in society they try and say little girl should be in pink and purple when I wear pink or purple or reds I'm actually feeding that fire element with my wood and it yes it gets me attention but it also tires me out so when you right up <laughs> yeah when you wear the element that you your element nurtures or is productive to it it gets you attention but it drains you I want to just ask you for uh, an example Yes. of what like what would a parent do with their child if they had a certain kind of personality how do you deal with the elements can you give us an example so people can kind of get a feel for how that works okay so if you had a like for instance me i'm a wood person so if my parents knew about this when i was younger and they wanted me to relax and calm down they would you know dress me in a red sweater or something because that would be putting fire on my wood which would mean I would feed the fire and get calmed down um, so the way the five elements go is wood fuels fire we all see that in a fireplace fire creates earth we all see that with the ash we have to clean out of the fireplace uh, um, earth 
gives us metal. We, we all know that that's where the metals come from because you have to dig it out of a mine. And then uh, metal creates water. And we've all been in a conference with a metal uh, pitcher full of ice water and they have to have a drip tray under it because of the condensation. Or we've gone out into our beautifully newly clean car and the morning dew has stained it <laughs> because water produ metal produces water. And then water comes back and feeds the wood because it can't grow without water. We know what happens in our droughts. So this is the, the continuing cycle of the five elements. And when we work with that with our element that we're born into, we can know what element nurtures us, like water nurtures wood, and what element reduces us, which means wood is reduced by fire. Wow. So there is a lot of detail to this system. It's been around for thousands of years. So there's been an opportunity for what I think is one of the finest um, talents and gifts that human beings have, which is to observe and then record and begin to learn how to work with something that is already taking place in the world of nature. But it does require us to pay attention, doesn't it? And that's wonderful that you mentioned the observing because that's how feng shui began. There were 40 years of floods in China and the man that observed the movement of the waters and figured out a way to dredge the rivers and redirect them and got everybody down off the mountainsides to live on the fertile ground, he was the first feng shui master. He was the one that started, that continued his observations and developed the science. And, and that's where actually feng shui came from. And then he was asked to become emperor because he saved the nation. And that's why it was developed in the emperor's palace. Now, in his observations, he watched how babies would naturally turn in their sleep. And that confirms your trigram directions. So from the moment you're born, you have four directions that are more supportive for a restful night's sleep. And when you put a baby in a crib in a direction that doesn't support them, as soon as they're old enough to turn, they're going to turn to an odd direction in their bed. Whereas if you move the bed to their good direction, they would stop wiggling around in their sleep. Oh, it makes so much sense. You know, and that's something else I will send them in the email. What okay. is their most restful sleeping four directions to choose from? And oh my gosh, you're, you couldn't be really more on point because I keep reading article after article that says that one of the biggest health crises that's unrecognized is people are not getting enough sleep these days. And people have thought, well, you remember, I don't know from what, what decade it was, remember the old phrase, I'll sleep when I'm dead? Well, mm -hmm. unfortunately, if you adopt that perspective, you may get to do that sooner than you plan on. Mm -hmm. But this notion that sleep is essential for health it's essential for your mind functioning properly, and it's essential for us actually getting along with each other and being civil to each other. It's, an, it's a huge aspect of quality of life. So I'm delighted that you're offering that very important tool to people. Thank you for your generosity. I just love it. So for those of you who remember that this conversation is all about wow and whispering, can I share with our listeners that we've been doing a lot of whispering out loud together here. PK has been sharing whispers of wisdom that are gleaned over thousands of years and her modern way of presenting them in the language that we all understand and the sort of terminology that the modern world has. But there's also a wow inside of what PK has been sharing us, which is if you want to wow the world, if you want to wow those people that you care about in life, you wanna bring the best of yourself, 
to that experience. You want to bring all the energy that you can. You want to be as healthy as you can. You want to be as productive as you can. And so by using feng shui, you have now a whole new set of tools that can support you to really wow not only the people in your life, but maybe wow yourself with how much you're getting accomplished and your satisfaction in life. Would you say that's a, that's a fair opportunity of presenting some of the promise inside of feng shui? Oh, yes. Because if your feng shui is not supporting you, it's holding back your wow. So if you want to release your wow, you start managing the feng shui of your home or your business. Oh, that's so perfect. And may I share something that uh, PK was kind enough to share with me? And I said, so let's talk about why we're kind of getting together and thinking about today. She said, I love the way she said this. She said, my point of view determines the direction my life takes me. And the circumstances of my life can be better or worse without making any changes to my space, depending on the effects of the feng shui annual energy shift that's already present. So she chooses to make the necessary remedy adjustments to, again, bring that wow forward. And PK is nothing if not devoted to bringing out the wow in life for her clients. She wants them to have a great life. And so I love having this conversation because as much knowledge as PK has, it's all about giving that power to her clients. And don't so many of us in business get into the business we do, not, because, not just because we love that particular subject matter, but we want to contribute to other people. So PK, I love that that's all woven together in how you do what you do. Thank you. I'm very well aware of your mental attitude affects your life and that karma is attached to our work. So I treat all my client space as if I was going to be the one occupying that space myself. And my mission is only to help improve their health and relationships, which that always comes first because money can't buy them. But your bottom line is also important because we have to be able to pay for that roof over our heads and everything else. And my desire is that they experience good health, good relationships, and a, a bountiful bottom line year after year after year. Well, you have wowed me with that life mission and that life purpose. And I want to thank everybody for being with us today. And I want to say, definitely read our show notes because you want to take PK up on her very generous offer. And, you know, just get your life wowing you and have these little whispers of, power and opportunity and energy working with you like your little quiet allies in the background. Thank you, PK, for being with us today. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you, Diane. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. What a pleasure to be with you in the world of wow whispering. As we complete this episode, I invite you to notice the wows and whispers that enliven or challenge as they fulfill life for you in both tiny moments and transforming experiences. I wish you the very best until we meet next time.